Chapter Fourteen of the Iron Horse. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Iron Horse by Robert Michael Ballantyne. Section Fourteen. Chapter Twelve. Lou's Garden. The plans of nurses not less than those of mice and men are apt to get into disorder mrs durby having packed up the diamond ring in the careful manner which we have described in the previous chapter essayed to get ready for her important journey to london on pawning purposes intent but she found that there were so many little preparations to make both in regard to her own toilette and to the arrangements of mrs tipps's establishment in prospect of its being left without its first mate for a time that a considerable period elapsed before she got her anchor tripped and herself ready to set sail with the first fair wind worthy mrs durby we may observe was fond of quoting the late captain's phraseology she was an affectionate creature and liked to recall his memory in this somewhat peculiar fashion in anticipation of this journey netta went one evening in company with emma lee to pay mr john marrot a friendly visit ostensibly for the purpose of inquiring after the health of baby marrot who having recently fallen downstairs swallowed a brass button and eaten an unknown quantity of shoe blacking had been somewhat ailing the real object of the visit however was to ask mrs marrot to beg of her husband to take a special interest in mrs durby on her journey as that excellent nurse had made up her mind to go by the train which he drove feeling assured that if safety by rail was attainable at all it must be by having a friend at court a good and true man at the helm so to speak but la miss said mrs marrot sitting on the bed and patting the baby whose ruling passion mischief could not be disguised even in distress seeing that it gleamed from his glassy eyes and issued in intermittent yells from his fevered throat if your nurse is of a narvish temperament she'd better not go with my john cause he usually drives the flying dutchman indeed said netta with a puzzled smile and pray what is the flying dutchman a yell and a glare from baby interrupted the reply at the same instant the seven forty five p m express flew past with a roar which was intensified by the whistle into a shriek as it neared the station the house trembled as usual netta not unnaturally shuddered don't be alarmed miss it's only the express do expresses often pass your cottage in that way asked netta with a touch of pity bless you yes miss they're always passing day and night continually but we don't think nothing of it we've got used to it now does it not disturb you at night asked emily in some surprise no miss it don't not in the least no doubt it sometimes do influence our dreams if i may say so as my son bob says he's a humorous boy is my bob miss he says says he the trains can't awaken us but they do awaken new trains of ideas especially when they stops right opposite the window and blows off steam or whistles like mad for five minutes at a time i sometimes think that bobby's right and that's why baby took to yellin and mischief with such a i and 
they do say that a man is knowed by the company he keeps and i'm sure it's no wonder that baby should screech and smash as he do considering the example set him day and night by them injuns here another yell from baby gave as it were assent to these opinions but as i was saying said mrs marrot the flying dutchman is the name that my husband's train goes by cause it is the fastest train in the kingdom so they say it goes at the rate of over sixty miles an hour and ain't just quite the train for people as is narvish though my husband do say it ain't more dangerous than other trains not smutch so indeed which i believe myself for there ain't nothing happened to my john all the eight years he have drove it is sixty miles an hour very much faster than the rate of ordinary trains asked emma why yes miss ordinary trains they run between twenty and forty miles an hour though sometimes in going down inclines they get up to fifty but my husband averages sixty miles an hour and on some parts of the line he gets up the speed to sixty-five and seventy for my own part i'm quite ignorant of these things to my mind all the injun seems to be banging and a rushing and yelling about pretty much in the same furious way but i've often heard my husband explain it all and he knows all about it miss just as if it were a b c having discussed such matters a little longer and entered with genuine sympathy into the physical and mental condition of baby netta finally arranged that her old nurse should go by the flying dutchman seeing that she would be unable to distinguish the difference of speed between one train and another while her mind would be at rest if she knew herself to be under the care of a man in whom she could trust well miss i dare say it won't much matter said mrs marrot endeavouring to soothe the baby in whom the button or the blacking appeared to be creating dire havoc but of course my husband can't attend to her hisself not being allowed to attend to nothing but his injin but he'll put her in charge of the guard who is a very handsome man and uncommon polite to ladies stay i'll speak to woolen garvey about it now said mrs marrot rising he's in the garden behind pray don't call him in said netta rising quickly we will go down to him i should like much to see your garden you'll find my loo there too said mrs marrot with a motherly smile as she opened the door to let her visitors out you'll excuse me not going out i does leave that baby for a minute he'd be over the there he the sentence was cut short by a yell followed by a heavy bump and the door shut with a bang which sent emma and her friend round the corner of the house in a highly amused frame of mind john marrot's garden was a small one so small that the brake van of his own flying dutchman could have contained it easily but it was not too small to present a luxuriance fertility and brilliance of colour that was absolutely magnificent surrounded as that garden was by ballast from the embankment broken wheels and rail bricks and stones and other miscellaneous refuse and debris of the line it could only be compared to an oasis in the desert or a bright gem on a rugged warrior's breast this garden owned its origin to lucy marrot's love for flowers and it owed much of its magnificence to will garvey's love for lucy for that amiable fireman spent much of his small wage in purchasing seed and other things for the improvement of that garden and spent the very few hours of his life not claimed by the inexorable iron horse in assisting to cultivate the same we use the word assisting advisedly 
because Lou would not hear of his taking this sort of work out of her hands. She was far too fond of it to permit that, but she had no objection whatever to his assistance. There never was, so Will and Lou thought, anything like the love which these two bore to each other. Extremes meet, undoubtedly. Their love was so intensely matter-of-fact and earnest that it rose high above the region of romance, in which lower region so many of our race do delight to coo and sigh. There was no nonsense about it. Will Garvey, who was naturally bold, no wonder considering his meteor-like style of life, saw all the flowers in the garden as well as any other man, and admired them more than most men. But he said gravely that he wouldn't give the end of a cracked boiler tube for the whole garden if she were not in the midst of it, at which Lou laughed heartily and blushed with pleasure and made no other reply. It was quite delightful to observe the earnestness with which these two devoted themselves to the training of honeysuckle and jessamine over a trellis-work porch in that preposterously small garden in which there was such a wealth of sweet peas and roses and marigolds and mignonette and scarlet geraniums and delicately coloured heliotropes that it seemed as though they were making love in the midst of a glowing furnace gertie was there too like a small female cupid nestling among the flowers a miniature paradise whispered emma with twinkling eyes as they approached the unconscious pair yes with adam and eve training the flowers responded netta quite earnestly adam making love in the fustian costume of the fireman of the flying dutchman was an idea which must have struck emma in some fashion for she found it difficult to command her features when introduced to the inhabitants of that little eden by her friend i have called to tell mrs marrot said netta that my old nurse mrs durby is going to london soon and that I wished your father to take a sort of charge of her, more for the sake of making her feel at ease than anything else. I'm quite sure he will be delighted to do that, said Lou. Won't he, Will? Why, yes, replied the fireman. Your father is not the man to see a woman in distress and stand by. He'll give her in charge of the guard, for you see, ma'am, he's not allowed to leave his engine. Will address the latter part of his remarks to Netta. That is just what Mrs. Marrot said and that will do equally well would you like to travel on the railway gertie said netta observing that the child was gazing up in her face with large earnest eyes no answered gertie with decision no why not because it takes father too often away and once it nearly killed him said gertie ah oh, that was the time my own dear mother received such a shock i suppose no ma'am said will garvey Gertie's thinking of another time when Jack Marrot was driving an excursion train not three years gone by And he ran into a lot of empty trucks that had broke loose from a train in advance They turned the engine off the rails and it ran down an embankment into a ploughed field Where it turned right over on the top of Jack Fortunately he fell between the funnel and the steam dome which was the means of saving his life But he got a bad shake and was off duty some six or eight weeks the fireman escaped without a scratch, and, as the coupling of the leading carriage broke, the train didn't leave the metals, and no serious damage was done to anyone else. I think our Gertie, continued Will, laying his big, strong hand gently on the child's head, seems to have taken an ill will to railways since then. 
I'm not surprised to hear it observed Emma Lee as she bent down and kissed Gertie's forehead I have once been in a railway accident myself and I share your dislike But I fear that we couldn't get on well without them now So you and I must be content to tolerate them Gertie. I Suppose so was Gertie's quiet response delivered much to the amusement of her audience with the gravity and the air of a grown woman well good evening gertie good evening said netta turning to garvie then i may tell my nurse that the engine driver of the express will take care of her yes ma'am you may for the matter of that the fireman of the express will keep an eye on her too said the gallant william touching his cap as the two friends left that bright oasis in the desert and returned to eden villa End of chapter 12